he got all of that one. Got all of that one. Welcome to In the Rough, a podcast dedicated to golfing in the Treasure Valley and beyond. And beyond. In the Rough is presented by First Tee Idaho, providing accessibility and affordability to golf while teaching our youth respect, integrity, courtesy, perseverance, sportsmanship, honesty, judgment, responsibility, and confidence. First Tee Idaho, because golf is more than a game. Welcome to another episode of In the Rough. I'm Corey Michaels, along with Executive Director of First Tee of Idaho, Mr. Nick Blasius. How are you, bud? I'm doing great, Corey. How are you? I'm great. I always look forward to this podcast, and and it's hard to believe it's already been another month gone by. I know. It's our, it's hard to believe that it's already the middle of October I, as we're recording this episode. This year, 2021, has gone by uh, rather quickly for a lot of people. Well, and I know a lot of people would like it to keep on going quickly <laughs> and see what 2022 has in, in store for us. But uh, now there's been, was there one or two uh, tournaments last month? We had our annual Swing for the Kids golf tournament last okay. month. And that was um, right, that was, that was Friday, happening. A Labor Day weekend. That was super successful. Yeah. Huge hit. Um, that was awesome. We have a few more events this year. Uh, we're doing a little volunteer appreciation next week. Good and deal. then the next day we're doing night golf. So it's like we're going to call it our spooky scramble. We're going to have teams <laughs> of six out there. They're going to play six holes at Shadow Shadow Valley Golf Course. We're going to light it up. And it's uh, it's a fun one. Get them all hopped up on candy and choc- hot chocolate <laughs> and send them home with their parents late that night. And, then and they're going to love you for that. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we're doing something different this year. Typically at the end of the year, we try to celebrate our kids with our Circle of Champions dinner. And this year we had to pivot. We're not, you know, still not kind of in the clear to have a big right. gathering inside. So uh, we've been working with Pierce Park Greens. We're going to have First Tee Idaho Day on November 6th. And the concept is that it's going to be a kids golf festival. So we're going to have, you know, parents and kids have free reign of the golf course. It's all covered by First Tee Idaho that day. Bring in a food truck, have cornhole and ladder golf on the driving range. You had me at food truck. So, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a fun day. So, we've got a few things still that we're working on for the rest of this year. And it's, uh, we're, we're looking to finish strong. All right. Yeah. Always sounds good. Well, who do we have with us today? We have uh, a good friend of mine. Um, Really a remarkable person for the golf industry, for the community. Just a great, great guy. His name's JJ Astorkia. Um, and uh, we're super happy to have him here today in the studio with us. Absolutely. Well, welcome, JJ. Oh, thank you so much. Um, JJ, you and I go way back, but I'm gonna, I want to introduce you to a lot of the people that have been listening to the podcast and just overall the golf community here in Boise. So first off, I know all this stuff, but let's get a little background on JJ Astorkia. Awesome. Sounds good. <laughs> so uh, where'd you grow up? I am from the... Uh, Great town of Twin Falls, Idaho, uh, double drip down in uh, southern Idaho. <laughs> and so I'm assuming you grew up playing the Twin Falls Municipal Golf Course? I did, yeah. I was actually just uh, talking to somebody the other day about Twin Muni and, um, man, some fond memories out there. My parents would drop me off early. I either had the option of getting picked up at like 2 or, you know, 5.30. And so <laughs> a lot of days it was just, yeah, full full day out there and uh i just still remember they had a pvc tube where you'd put your golf ball in there wasn't a tee time so when you got there you put your golf ball in 
when your golf ball got to the end, that's when you got to tee off. The classic ball drop. Yeah. That's that. awesome. I know. I wish more places did that. I think that is such a cool thing. Kind of dates me, I think. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, definitely. Lesson for parents. If you want your youngster to be a accomplished golfer, just drop them off at the golf course on your way to work and pick them up on your way home. I was listening to another podcast on the way here, and they were saying the same thing about oh, yeah. Tom Kite. You know, that's how he... Uh, Became such an accomplished player. He just lived at the golf course. So grew, how old were you when you started playing golf? I was six years old uh, when I started playing. My my grandparents uh, were the golfers in the yeah. family. My, my grandfather, uh, accomplished player as well, played a lot of, you know, um, amateur golf. Um, and my grandma, too, just uh, really good good players. Um, they played down at Blue Lakes nice. uh, in Twin. And so I got to go out there a little bit, but uh, they were the ones that got me started early and uh, – and it kind of stuck for sure. Yeah. yeah. Twin Falls Muni is the hardest par 68 you'll ever play in your life. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. For sure it is. The 10th hole, this downhill par 3. Yeah. I don't know why. I think it's always dead into the wind. And it's probably always 25 miles an hour. And you're just like, I just want to make a bogey here and move on. <laughs> I'd be really happy with that. Definitely crazy if you're aiming it at the green. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aim left and just stay left. There is out of bounds three feet from the <laughs> right edge of the green on that one. Yeah. So you started playing when you're six years old. What was it about golf that got you interested in the game? Oh man, great question. Um, I, I think I just loved the uh, camaraderie with those others that I met and uh, not a lot of kids really at that age. Um, you know, you're just, you're playing golf, like back to the twin Muni deal. I'd put a golf ball in there, but uh, essentially I would end up getting paired up with whoever would take me. And there were just so many good people and, uh, and just, you know, I fell in love with, you know, just the, I was in, in control. I mean, it's such a hard game, but in control of the outcome. I mean, yeah. it's basically me against the golf course. And yeah. um, I just loved that. Um, at what point, how old were you when you started realizing like, Oh, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. I, <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> I know how to get around the golf course. Um, I don't know. That's a, that's an interesting one. I don't know when I really had the confidence, but I mean, the Idaho junior golf association at that, that point, yeah. um, IJGA um, is what we called it back then. I mean, I was immediately playing golf tournaments. Yeah. You know, so I hadn't really played for very long, and and I was just playing golf tournaments, and so uh, that gave me a lot of confidence because I was you know winning medals or trophies, and and uh, and so success early on, I think you know started to breed that confidence for sure. So how old were you when you started competing? Like literally right away, six years old. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a little different these days. I yeah. know that. I mean, the first tee, I get a lot of questions from, you know, my friends that have kids and they're like, well, how do we get our kids started? And some of them are four or five, six years old. And even at that point, they're a little bit too young. Maybe if they can really, you can hold their attention yeah. uh, at the first tee, they can really get started then. But um, yeah, I mean, really competitive golf now probably starts at maybe eight, eight or nine. Yeah, I'd uh, say that's pretty accurate. Yeah. yeah. So it, uh, yeah, it was pretty awesome to be able to just sign up i don't i don't recall there ever being like an aptitude type test to to go out on the golf course but um yeah there were there were probably few of us a uh, few enough of us that it actually worked and they didn't have to you know like you guys i mean you have so many kids now that you could yeah. just enroll everybody in tournaments right off the bat <laughs> yeah we need some more golf courses around here yeah. if we can do that. Yeah. <laughs> so at that age were you starting to develop your group of peers that were also playing golf that you kind of grew up competing with and against and things like that 
Um, for sure. I mean, that, that definitely started to create a, I mean, I grew up in the Magic Valley, so there were, you know, kids from Gooding and Buell and, and Burley and Rupert, um, you know, Warm Springs uh, Golf Course and Bigwood up in, you know, we just had the little loop there in, yeah. in, the, in the Magic Valley and got to know those kids, some of which are still friends of mine, good friends yeah. um, that I've, you know, still play some golf with or keep in touch with. Um, but, you know, not a, still not a lot for at least a couple more years until I started to be able to play up with the, you know, maybe the junior high and high school kids that were playing on the, on the high school team yeah. um, to where then, you know, you started having, you know, more friendships that were golfers. Cause at that point, I mean, it wasn't a super popular sport. Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely, you know, yes, the, the friendships, you, you saw all the same kids yeah. at the tournaments. There was, you know, at least one or two tournaments a week. I mean, it was amazing. So wow. um, definitely, yeah, friendships there. Now, did you have a pro golfer? Did you watch pro golf on TV? A little bit. Um, definitely the club pros uh, yeah. around, you know, Twin Falls. So, you know, when I was real young, uh, Mike Hamblin and the other guys at Twin Falls Muni um, and his dad. I mean, his dad was at Twin Falls Muni. Don. Don, yeah, yeah. great guy. Um, and then, you know, as I got into my teens, I was, you know, we, uh, we got a membership down at Canyon Springs. So Steve Meyerhofer was really the the first golf coach I ever had. Yeah. Um, and he really kind of took me under his wing. You know, I would get lessons from him, of course, but if he, I was down there and he went to hit balls himself, he would always just have me come and hit golf balls with him. And But watching golf back then, I definitely have a lot of memories of watching golf. I can't yeah. believe, you know, that we could even see the golf ball, you know, like on the <laughs> telecast now, it's amazing. They've got the shot tracker and yeah. they've got all the ways for you to yeah. know exactly where the ball's going. I mean, back then it was like, they literally showed the the sky and the ball was like flying <laughs> through the sky and then it lands on the green. And, um, but yeah, I, I definitely remember uh, watching some golf, but not really but, until I was in like high school, probably. Was there a pro golfer that said, yeah, I want to be like him? Uh, for sure. I mean, it was Arnold Palmer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was, I still have, I can't, I can't, I, it's probably in the garage somewhere in a, an old chest, like an old college chest or something. But I did a, a paper on Arnold Palmer and, you know, it was a full presentation type deal and I still have it somewhere. I'll have to try and pull it out, but yeah, he was, that's cool. He had the swagger and he had the yeah. fans and he was such a great guy and, and all the things that we talk about with the first yeah. tee as well. I mean, just such a, a champion for the game of golf and, and just somebody to idolize for sure. An incredible ambassador for the game. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and you played, so going to high school now, you played golf on the golf team, obviously for twin falls high school. Yep, Twin Falls. I was uh, four years there. And uh, then also Falls. played some hoops, correct? I did, yeah. My dad was actually our basketball coach at, at uh, Twin Falls. So, um, yeah, I played uh, high school um, golf and basketball. Um, really, basketball um, had success, you know, just because I, you know, I grew up in the gym, you know, not, um, you know, pretty slow, can't jump, but definitely knew the game, could handle the, handle the ball and, and, and shoot probably with the slowness, not great on the defensive end, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, basketball was definitely the sport until yeah. kind of, I started to, I guess, outpace, you know, and on the golf course, my skill and success, you know, in the gym. And what age was that? Probably sad to say, I mean, it was probably like when I was 13 or 14. I mean, I, I yeah. kept getting better, um, as a, as a basketball player and I played, you know, all through high school, but it was 
it definitely wasn't, I didn't have a lot of aspirations to go play, you know, basketball after that. I didn't have the, I didn't have, I didn't have what it would take to play at the next level. And I had some back issues my, my sophomore year. Um, I actually missed most of my sophomore year of golf uh, with a back surgery after basketball. And so uh, that, you know, definitely um, a combination of the two, basketball, golf, and, you know, genetics, of course, too, probably yeah. led into that. So we're wrapping up the high school career, playing hoops, playing golf, starting to think about college. I know you eventually became a duck, yeah. a University of Oregon duck, but yeah. were any other colleges coming after you? And was there any other thought there? Um, I definitely had quite a few schools on my radar. Um, being, you know, from Southern Idaho, you got to really be special to, to get a lot of schools to be recruiting you. Um, I didn't really have a lot of schools recruiting me, honestly. Yeah. Um, but I felt like I had, you know, the game to, to play at the Division One level. And I was definitely looking at, um, you know, academic schools, first and foremost, um, that had golf teams. Of course, you know, the top of the line was Stanford, um, Princeton, um, didn't get into those schools, uh, mm -hmm. you know, had great grades and, and had a pretty good shot. I talked to uh, Wally Goodwin at Stanford for most of my senior year. Um, yeah. I hoped to get into the, to the college on my own and then, you know, try to walk onto the team, but ultimately didn't. And I had gotten into Oregon, uh, UW, a couple of waitlist schools. And ultimately uh, my good friend, uh, still one of my best friends, Alan Bro. Uh, Jerry, who's uh, you know one of the, the icons around the Treasure Valley here, his son and I, he called me and he just said, you need to come to Oregon with me. And, and uh, that pretty much solidified it. And I ended up just not walking on. I had uh, the, the coach was, you know, um, kind enough to give me, you know, books and I'm basically room and board, no scholarship to start, but uh, um, definitely had a spot on the team. I just needed to earn my ability to play on the tournaments. So you and Alan were friends prior to going to University of Oregon together. That's 100% golf. Yeah. Sure. See, yeah. it's a beautiful yeah. thing, right? You develop yep. these great relationships yeah. and it influences your life. And, you know, oh, yeah. And so back to what he was saying, uh, Alan bro, his father, uh, Jerry bro was the head golf professional at Hillcrest country club for 25 years. Long time. Yeah. And I think, you know, he obviously developed Alan into a great player to go to university of Oregon. I think Jerry had a pretty good impact on you as a junior golfer as well. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, Junior golf, uh, one of the biggest events that we would play in every year was called the John Dropping, and it's still going on um, today. It's actually at, at Banbury, yeah, uh, which is awesome that they've kept it going. Jerry's kept it going out there, and um, that was the the tournament. Like you know, it was the the week we got out of out of high school. You could play three years, and it was a Hillcrest Country Club. So coming from Twin, it was like we were playing in that, you know, and it was awesome. Um, I didn't know Jerry as much. I mean, I, I definitely knew Alan just from playing a lot of tournaments and, and then we went to school together. And then after our freshman year, we came back to Boise and I lived with the bros and Jerry had a huge impact. I mean, he had us on a practice regiment. Really? Oh yeah. It was, uh, I don't remember what we called it. The Jerry bro, like you know, <laughs> gruel or something. You know, it was, it was great. <laughs> what was a part of that practice regiment? Uh, the biggest part that I remember is we would go to Fox, uh, Foxtail yeah. uh, that's now been developed, but yeah. they had the, the goalposts out there. They had goalposts you could hit drivers through Yeah, and he had us tee up 10 drivers in a row, uh, 10 times in a row. So you tee up, drivers. tee up 10, hit 10 in a row, immediately tee up 10 more, hit 10 until you got to a hundred. 
and wow. you're just trying to get them through those uprights. And, uh, you know, one of the biggest things in college golf is you're playing 36 holes of golf the first day and then 18 in most tournaments. So you're playing three rounds, but in two days. Yeah. And it was stamina, right? You mm-hmm. get to the end of that 36 hole day and you literally just haven't stopped. I mean, they give you a bag with, you know, a sandwich and an apple or banana in it or something. And you're walking the, and the you're turn. carrying. We carried our bags <laughs> back then. Um, but yeah, I mean, just trying to get us to the point where, you know, you could get to that 30th hole, 31st hole, and actually still stand up there and hit a, a driver, right? You know, you got to be able to hit 100 in a row. That'll get you ready for a 36-hole yeah. day for sure. Some stamina, some speed training. I like it. <laughs> yeah. The original Bryson DeChambeau, Mr. Jerry Burrow, everybody. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so what was a memorable experience in competition for you at University of Oregon? Um, I've got know, one in my mind. For yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, you do. Um, well, you know, I think the... It's funny. I mean, the, the golf shots and the tournaments, um, we definitely had some success. We were kind of the middle of the Pac-10 back then. We had an amazing time. We had a great group of guys, and we had five freshmen that came in together. Um, not all of us ended up playing the whole time we were there, but um, it was just the camaraderie and, and the traveling together and um, just the relationships and the friendships. I mean, I guess from a competitive standpoint, you know, we um, – my senior year, uh, we played in two tournaments back-to-back. One was at the Olympic Club, which was cool. just a fantastic a venue, of course. Um, you know, any golfer knows that that venue. And I played a great tournament. Unfortunately, you know, like it happens in golf, I had a poor final nine. Um, I had the lead going into the final nine uh, for the tournament and wow. didn't end up winning. Um, you know, shot a poor score. and and But we went immediately to Fresno from there. And just I was able to to continue playing well, and I actually I didn't end up winning the tournament. I tied for first and lost in a playoff in Fresno. But that week or those you know that week and a half, that was probably the highlight of you know the the top of me playing college golf. I would yeah. say yeah. that's a hundred and eight pretty successful holes of golf down there in California. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, the fun. experience I was talking about, Corey, is that <laughs> if you go to JJ's office, he's got uh-huh. this great picture on his wall. And on there, it says J.J. Astorkia with a score of 69 next to it. And below that, it says Tiger Woods, 70. So so J.J. played in a tournament with Mr. Tiger Woods and took the newspaper cutout, clipped it out, blew it up, and now he hangs on on his office wall. Well, as well you should. I would do the same thing. I beat Tiger Woods. How many people can say that? I put it on a T-shirt. I do have to correct you, though. I did not blow it up. My roommate at the time <laughs> blew it up. It was in the in the uh, the University of Oregon newspaper. It was yeah. the box score, and yeah, he blew it up, put it on a little cardboard deal, and I had it in my that same college chest that I you know talk about until I went to the U.S. Open at um, Torrey Pines when Tiger won on the broken knee and had a playoff with Rocco, and it was yeah, it was epic. And I went and watched that tournament, and when I came back. Sarah, my wife, made me for Christmas. She made me a um, basically a big framed, you know, all the tickets and a, and a um, flag from the tournament, and basically that that to commemorate the memory of going to the U.S. Open. And so I'm putting that up in my office, and I decided at that point it was probably time to brag about <laughs> beating, you know, at least in one round in a college tournament. What we feel probably is the best player of all time. For oh, sure. for sure. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I just the first time I saw that, I was like, "How could you not hang this?" Well, you you have to have to absolutely. (laughs) So let's pivot away from golf a little bit. So you go to University of Oregon. What was your major? Uh, Mathematics. Mathematics. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah. So, and then my next question is: You're living on your own now, right? Different state, new group of friends. You know, how did golf prepare you for being away from home? Hmm. Good question. Um, I, you know, I think that being out there on the golf course, you, you, you know, even though you're playing in high school golf and, and college golf as a team, it really is an individual event and you have to, you have to learn how to get there on time. You have to learn, you know, how to have everything you're going to need for the day. You have to, you know, have that accountability of putting in the practice. Um, so, I mean, I think all of those things are just, I mean, you know, the, the nine core values of the first T, right? Just all yeah. the things that, that you have to, you can't show up 15 minutes late for your tea time. Right. I mean, you're just, you don't get to play. You're, you're disqualified from the tournament. Um, if you, even if you show up a few minutes late, they're still going to penalize you and then let you play. So, um, you know, you got to show up, you got to prepare, you got to be ready. So, I mean, that definitely, I think just in general, yeah. I mean, get you ready to be, living on your own. I have to give a lot of credit to my parents. I mean, they're yeah. teachers and, and coach. Uh, my dad was a coach. My mom was, you know, drill team advisor and cheerleader advisor. So definitely in that, that mindset of, you know, always being prepared and, and very sports oriented. And um, so golf for sure. Um, but definitely my parents. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I heard my wife who is also a teacher. She dropped the line yesterday. Proper planning prevents poor performance. (laughs) Thanks for the reminder. Um, back to golf then. So what were your thoughts on your future of golf after college? Um, I definitely had aspirations to play professionally. Um, and I tried, um, I, after college and what was it? 1997, I stayed in Eugene and, you know, uh, basically had, um, privileges. A couple of the courses there allowed me to come and practice and play. And I went to Q school, um, and, uh, missed it first stage. Um, you know, that in those days you had to get through three stages unless you had, you know, some sort of, um, tour, um, exemption. Yeah. Exemptions into second or third stage. So missed it. And it was very clear even at that point. Um, that, you know, I had a long way to go and I had been playing like just some state opens. I played the Idaho open. I played the Utah open, um, a couple of, you know, little events here and there. And I, I quickly realized that I'm way too much of a people person to be away from the relationships I had in life. So, um, I didn't really, I mean, I was making friendships out there, but it just felt kind of odd because especially in those kind of mini tour or even state, you know, state opens, you're basically throwing your money into the pot and everybody trying to beat each other up. So yeah. you're friends with the guys that you're trying to beat, um, which um, there were definitely a few, but it, it was, I was pretty quick to decide, like I probably need to, to go and do something else. At what age was that? Um, so I was just out of college, probably 22. I guess. Okay. Yeah. It, uh, you know, I listen to a lot of different or read a lot of different things about golf, listen to a lot of different golf podcasts. It's a lonely world out there for oh, a professional golfer. I can golfer. only imagine. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was listening Max Homa, who won just a couple weeks ago at the Fortinet Championship down in uh, Sonoma or Napa. Anyways, he was saying he had a run last year where he was on the road for eight straight weeks away from oh, his man. wife. I mean, they don't have kids at this point, but he's like, being away from your home and your wife and family and friends for eight weeks. Yeah. Like that is yeah. difficult. 
Yeah. And that's hard. playing at the highest level where he's making the most money. You making know? tons of money. And those guys are staying in nice places. Yeah. Have the, you know, courtesy cars, all of that. I mean, think about all the mini tour guys. I mean, yeah. I was doing that. You're you're literally, you know, staying at the, the super eights, you know, the, the lowest cost that you can to have somewhere nice to at least stay and and eating at, you know, fast food and, and you know, uh, diners and Sherry's and Denny's and, and those types of places, which are great, but it really gets old fast. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure. So you decide to pursue a different career. What was your first step in that direction? Um, so I, I moved to Seattle. My brother was living up there and um, I went to work at, I'd worked like three different jobs just to try and make money. And, and one was a, an internship at a, basically like a, a sports, um, they were running events. Yeah. Um, but then shortly thereafter, it was probably after about six months, maybe I, I got a job with Jeff Sanders promotions out of, uh, Portland, Oregon. And, um, it was great. I mean, they, Jeff, uh, and his company, uh, run the Boise open and have forever. So I got to, to come back to Idaho, you know, for that, you know, for quite a bit of the year, uh, I was there for about three and a half years. So I was in the golf business, not playing any golf, you know, working a ton of hours, but, um, that was kind of my my first real job, if you will, that, you know, kind of got me going. What other events did Jeff Sanders Promotions do at the time? Um, we were running, there was a TV event, um, mm-hmm. an Albertsons TV event. So Albertsons has always been a great sponsor um, of those events. The Boise Open. And then we ran two, like, charity golf events for Albertsons. One at Medina. Oh, wow. And uh, in Chicago. And then one at uh, Greyhawk in um, Scottsdale. Yeah. Um, and then... That was pretty much when I was there. I mean, they they run a lot of different events, PGA Tour events and, and the like since then. But, um, yeah, those were the events that we were running, about four or five a year. So after a few, three and a half years, you said, with Jeff Sanders Promotions? Yes. Yep. You pivot again? I did. To what was your uh, career after that? Um, I got into software consulting work. Okay. So total shift, um, which, um, again, was just um, kind of relationships. My brother was working for a company that, you know, they thought that I could, you know, learn quickly enough to, uh, to, you know, basically train sales teams on a a CRM product that, um, so software consulting and did that in the Seattle area for about three and a half years before I came back to Idaho. And then last but not least move, that's where you transitioned into the mortgage industry. Yeah. Real career now. I mean, 17 years, I can't believe it. It's, uh, yeah, I've been doing mortgages here in Boise since, uh, January one of 2005. Yeah. That was about when you were born, right? <laughs> thank you, JJ. 1992, thank you very much. Yeah, Nick. Uh, <laughs> Nick's a very good friend, but he's a lot younger than I am. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. So you've been doing mortgages now for 17 years, you said. Yep. Um, how has golf helped? How did golf help you in that career? Um, you know, I think the uh, the same, same sort of things we were talking about earlier. I mean, um, you know, just having a plan, Mm -hmm. uh, being accountable to what you're going to do, what your goals are. I mean, very goal oriented, um, and really, you know, setting those and, and once you get to them, you know, setting another one, you know, setting that bar higher and higher. Um, so I think golf was big in that. I mean, in the last probably five years, um, it's really been in, in building a team of people around me as well. Um, just a great set of people, um, it's just a lot more fun way to do it. I mean, I've been working with the same 
a couple of uh, really good friends, uh, Ty Porter and Grant Porter, um, since I started. They were in the business before I got into it and and have kind of morphed into to running, you know, our, our practice, our branch, and um, that for quite a few years now. But really just that, I think that the same – the same things, you know, just that accountability, showing up on time, yeah. working hard, um, and uh, and you know a lot of the things that golf teaches you. I'll take it even a little further back. You're so good with people. Here's a eight year old JJ Astorkia at Twin Falls Muni putting his golf ball in the ball drop and going to play golf <laughs> with you know three sixty seven year olds guys and just learning how to spark up a conversation yeah. and interact yeah. and yeah. You know, you learned that at a young age and I'm sure it's helped you in your career with mortgages. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's all, a lot of people ask me what I do for a living and it's really managing and, and creating relationships. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot less, you know, what's your interest rate and your fees and, and more of advising them on, on, you know, what they should do and creating a, a relationship there so that they get taken care of. I mean, it's, it's a, there's so much anxiety in getting a mortgage, you know, it's a, such a big thing, you know, buying a home. Um, you know, that's a, a big part of it. Yeah. I mean, all the way back. Yeah. <laughs> Six, seven, eight years old. I mean, I still remember, I still remember one guy's name I and mean, he smoked a pipe. His name was Doyle Duggar. He had a three wheeled cart, <laughs> like an actual like cart cart, not a yeah. push cart. Doyle Duggar. Doyle Duggar. Yeah. Wow. He that hit a little, amazing. he hit a little low slice. Yeah. Man, he, he knew exactly where it was going. It was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and could putt. Any, that anyone that played at Twin Falls Muni successfully, <laughs> as Nick said, I mean, it's, the hardest par 68. It's one of the hardest set of greens to hosted the Idaho open for how long? Oh yeah. Forever. I played yeah. the Idaho open there. Yeah. 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 One, that one six month period that <laughs> was one of my, my only, uh, caches, I guess on the, As a on the professional tour. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do you remember how much you made? I made, um, I think $1,500 at the Idaho open. And I told somebody, I don't know, recently, recently for me is like within the last year probably, but, um, the scores I shot and I had a, I think I shot like I shot. So, so it was, it was kind of funny. I, you and I actually maybe were talking about this, Nick, cause yeah. it was, uh, two rounds at twin Muni and one round at jackpot, right? which isn't in the state of Idaho, <laughs> but as part of the Idaho golf association, yeah. um, in the Rocky mountain section. Um, and I, I shot a 65 down there at jackpot and I think I was two under, and maybe even par. So I, I think I shot seven, eight, nine, around eight or nine under par for three rounds. And I think you were the one you were like, well, you must've been in like the top three or four. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> Hamlin. And these yeah. other guys were shooting like 15, 16 under through three rounds. Oof, so 1500 bucks. I mean, yeah. that was a big night at Sherry's. I made I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had to pay back some of my, you know, my donors, my sponsors, yeah. mostly my family. But um, yeah, I mean, there, there were a lot of really good folks that, you know, put some money behind me and, and support that, of course, never got paid back. You know, <laughs> wow. I made fifteen hundred there. I think like six hundred and twenty dollars or something at the at the uh, GI Joe's Portland Invitational. Nice, and that was at um, at uh, Pumpkin Ridge. Oh wow, those were my two checks. <laughs> Wish I would have kept them. You should have. <laughs> Probably be worth Get more to me big, than the, the money. The big now. version of the yeah, check. Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's do some quick up and downs for the final portion here. Favorite club in the bag. Ooh, 56 degree wedge. Why? 
because uh, I just love hitting that that kind of low stinger from about yeah. 85 yards in there to a couple feet. I've seen him do that way too many times, Corey. It gets, <laughs> it gets old. Um, favorite nine core value? Um, I think I have to I have to look at all of them again because man, they're amazing, all of them. I think perseverance. You yeah. know the the game of golf is so hard, right? And and similar to life, right? You just have these. You just have so many things out of your control. I mean, everybody thinks that these guys on the PGA Tour can just, they have a perfect round every day, and they have imperfect rounds every round. I mean, even the guys that shoot a real low score, they first thing they ask them, you know, or they say is, oh, I had I missed that one putt, or, you know, even though I made a bunch, I, I probably should have made that eight-footer, you know. And yeah. So persevering through tough times, and uh, I think that's just an awesome core value for sure. for sure yeah always put one foot and in front of the other i think that that core value has been brought up with this question during the up and downs i think more than any yeah i mean they're all important but it, i just noticed a pattern here for sure yeah it's it's definitely one that you know calls to a lot of people favorite golf course Ooh, probably a couple of them, but Eugene Country Club. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you haven't played <laughs> it good. and you have an opportunity to play it, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it, it, of course, there's some nostalgia there from playing right. college golf. They were so good to us. I mean, we, we got to play out at Eugene Country Club three days a week. Wow. Uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we basically had kind of standing tee times of like one and one, you know, one and one thirty, you know, between that and one thirty for the team. We had so many great rounds out there, whether they were qualifiers or they were just rounds for fun Yeah, to, you know, see who had to clean the bathroom, you know, between the roommates, <laughs> you know, that type of deal. So. What was your other favorite golf course? Um, you know, I played Bay Hill in a, in a U.S. junior. Um, is that where you met Mr. Palmer? That is where I met Mr. Palmer and have a picture with him. And, um, and then, if, you know, guess who won that tournament? Who? Tiger, Tiger Woods. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, Bay Hill. Plenty of others. Olympic Club was amazing. I mean, we yeah. only got to play the one tournament there. Um, yeah, lot, lots and lots for sure. Favorite golf movie? Caddyshack. Yeah, that's yeah. tough to say. Yeah, there's a lot of good ones now, but Caddyshack for sure. Here's a new one. Dream Foursome. So you and three others. Mm. Who you got? Yeah, so I probably have to put the two that I mentioned in there, Arnold Palmer and Tiger. Yeah. Um. I don't know. There's a lot of, you know, people that could fill that fourth spot for sure. Whether That's it's, when you got me just lingering around on the probably green. It's probably You got room for a fourth, JJ? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can't find anyone. No. Right, yeah. Nick would be amazing. He's always fun to play golf with for sure. Uh, my dad, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he would love that. Jack Nicholas, you got to throw him in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So maybe we have two groups. That's all right. We can do yeah. it. Yeah. We'll squeeze them in there. We could play nine with each. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Best shot you've ever hit. Um, so one of the most memorable, I don't know, I think you were probably wondering like in competition, but this was, so when I was working for, for Jeff Sanders promotions, we went back to the, it was the Nike tour at that point, but the Nike tour, um, basically, uh, like the, the meetings and it was at Ponte Vitra. And so we got to play the TPC Sawgrass. Nice. And so, uh, it was a, it was actually a scramble, um, cause you know, they didn't want us out there for. 10 hours playing around a golf, you know, individually. So we're playing, I think our group had three people. Um, they just paired us with, you know, various other tournament directors and staff from other tournaments around. 
and uh, we stepped up on uh, the 16th, which is that par five, and we hit a good drive down there. And at that point, I was carrying a, a two wood, the Deuce, <laughs> yeah. Callaway Deuce, uh, which uh, was a great club. I hit it off the tee a lot, but um, the pin was on that, you know, back, you know, kind of over to the right down that tier, right next to the water. And I hit a big, I hit a big left to right, you know, um, uh, slice or not slice, but a, a fade. It's called a sweeping cut. Yeah, <laughs> but that shot, it started like right at the pin with my two wood. From, I don't know, it was probably like 230 or 240. That's how far we could hit it back then. <laughs> and it starts, and it was drawing, so it was going to be perfect. And it landed just like right on the front edge of the green, rolled down the tier to like 10 feet. And uh, so that one was super memorable. And we get up there, and I start getting a bloody nose. <laughs> so I get this like gusher, right? This bloody nose coming out. And we're oh, like, no. the three of us are, you know, you know, make this eagle putt. I don't even remember because I'm like, worried about the next hole right the next hole is the island green and uh and so i'm I, we put out i don't even remember if we made eagle or not and we start walking the walk you know all these guys talk about the the players championship and walking over there of course there's no fans out there but you still are glancing over at this island green and this dang bloody nose like won't stop <laughs> so i'm i'm like the other two guys hit their shots on the island green and i'm like i can't get the thing to stop i've got my towel Finally, I'm like, we're looking back and these, there's people behind us. So like, I got a hit. So I just dropped my towel, like blood's dropping on the ball. And I just chunked it <laughs> right in the water. So memorable to not so memorable, but you know, probably best shot I've ever hit that two wood to yeah. not so great with just a chunked like nine memorable. iron right in the middle of the water. Yeah. So. Well, I'm sorry. It had yeah. to end that way for you. Yeah. Anyway. I really was anticipating some heroics, like blood dripping down on the Titleist, and oh, I yeah. stood up there and spun it right into the hole. it to the middle of the green, you know? <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> well, JJ, wah, wah. it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Um, you are an incredible ambassador for golf in the state of Idaho. He also was a part of the Idaho Junior Golf Foundation and headed it up and really got it to the place it's at now. Um, he got me on the board several years ago for that. He's raised so much money for junior golf and scholarships and, you know, the incredible Joe Malay designated funds that we use for an assortment of junior golf activities in Idaho yeah. and his support for First Tee Idaho. Just a great, great guy. And we're so happy to have you here and happy to have you on First Tee's team. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the, the game of golf has, has meant so much to me, and it's really fun at this point to be able to give back and uh in a meaningful way and, and so thank you uh for sure for having me it's been uh, been a pleasure our pleasure all right well jj thank you so much it was a, it was very nice meeting you my friend thank hopefully you. not yeah. the last time no no definitely <laughs> <laughs> so lots coming up for first tee yeah uh coming up in the next episode we'll be able to talk a little bit about that uh spooktacular event you spooktacular, have coming spectacular and our goal is to have next month uh on somebody that's currently in the uh college golf arena right now so they can kind of talk about their transition from junior golf to college golf and you know get some insight there and so looking forward to that all right that's all coming up on the next episode of in the rough